Hello, and thank you for tuning in. You are listening to the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. You can listen and subscribe to the show for free on Spotify, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, Blog Talk Radio, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Audible. For network or show information, visit BiteRadio.me. And now, the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. Good day, everyone, and thank you for joining us for this edition of the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. Today, my special guest is Carrie Hummingbird, and we'll be talking about her newest book, Inner Medicine, Becoming One with Mother Earth for the Survival of Humanity. In this book, Carrie Hummingbird brings us a wake-up call to go on a great departure from all that we have ever known, step into the mystery on an epic quest for the survival of humanity, and make a bid for power to evolve into Homo Luminous, the one who dreams the sacred dream of New Earth for our descendants seven generations to come. Steep in wisdom from the medicine people of the Andes Mountains, the new spiritual epicenter of the Earth, this new book by number one international best-selling author Carrie Hummingbird Sami will inspire you to walk in beauty, become a luminous warrior, and be on the frontier of a whole new humanity. Carrie Hummingbird is a soul guide, number one international best-selling, award-winning author, and inspirational speaker. She channels wisdom from the Ascended Masters of Awakening White Eagle. She is host of Soul Nectar Show, the Soul Nectar Show, uh, which is www.soulnectar.show, and founder of the Skills Not Tales Movement. She is certified in energy medicine by the Four Winds Light Body School, certified as a spiritual coach by the Toltec Center of Creative Intent in Heather Ash Amira, and certified in empowerment and firewalk training by Sundor. You can find out more by visiting Carrie's website, which is CarrieHummingbird.com, and that's K-E-R-R-I Hummingbird.com. And with that, I'd like to welcome Carrie to the show. Good day, Carrie. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Thank you. It's my pleasure, and I'm really looking forward to our, our conversation. Um, I, I've had Heather Ash on my show um, before, and, and it was a wonderful talk with her, and so I'm looking forward to getting the information, for our inspiration from you. So, um Let's, let's start with, you know, first of all, this book, um, the Inner Medicine uh, book, was released on Earth Day this year. So can you tell us, you know, kind of what inspired you to write this particular book and release it when you did? Yes, absolutely. Well, it was an inspiration from my connection with Mother Earth and the work that I've been doing um, over the last, gosh, 12, 13 years since I started working with the mystery um, and listening deeper and deeper and learning about the medicine wheel, learning about how to connect with the four directions of this earth school, the south, the west, the north, and the east, and get oriented. And this message came through. It said, okay, it's time for this medicine wheel book, Carrie. I thought, oh, my goodness, that's a big deal because, you know, writing a medicine wheel teaching is, um, well, it's big, it's big inner medicine. It's really potent is a lot of shadow work and and it's really what's needed at this time on the planet we need to connect with mother earth we need to honor mother earth and we need to honor all of life on this planet and really become the stewards that we were meant to be so when this book came in i knew i knew this was my calling and i said okay i'll write this book and invite some people to see things through this lens and so that was really the inspiration and also to honor um, Mother Earth on Earth Day, you know, so the message came in very strongly. This book will release on Earth Day, and I thought that was so great. I was very happy to do that. 
Yeah, it is a fortuitous um, kind of uh, timing for that, and, and it was and it's great because it just accentuates the message. And um, so now in the book, you begin by starting off with your intentions, what your intentions for the book is, and then you follow it up a little bit shortly thereafter with some setting for the reader to set their intentions. So can you tell us a little bit about you know, first the idea uh, and the importance of intention, um, and then kind of why why you wanted to kind of set that stage for the book. Yeah, that's a beautiful question. And you you mentioned Heather Ashamara, and I learned I started learning about intention and the importance of intention from her when she was my teacher. I apprenticed with her for about six years, and so intention is everything. So the reticular activating system in our minds is always looking for the question. What is the question? What is our intention? What is it that we wish to know more about, experience, do? It's like asking us. And so when we set an intention, we're placing that um, that mechanism in our brain, we're placing it on alert. It's like, oh, I'm looking for this information. So it's a powerful way to to read a book like this is to set an intention because then as you're reading the book, you're not just a passive participant. You actually become an agent. You become an agent of your own awakening. You become a, um, a witness. You become engaged in the process of the book. And you let it infect you. You let it influence you and, and expand you through working with the invisible forces that created this book. So, I mean, I wrote the book, but it was created through me. And so those guys and teachers um, from the Beyond the Veil will work with anyone who reads the book and is sincere and their desire. And so setting that intention helps everyone to say, okay, this is what this person wants to work on. And then as you read the book, you're then going to become aware of things and then uh, inside the book, but then also in your own life. And, and then you'll bring all of that home to yourself in an engaged way rather than, as I said, just being like a passive reader of a book and then the book's over. It's like, no, this is a medicine journey and you can take the journey. Yeah, yeah, very, very much. Um, so let, I want to start with, you know, you, you mentioned Medicine Wheel, and, you know, the the book is um, broken down primarily in, into the, the four directions, you know, which um, can follow the Medicine Wheel. So can you tell us a little bit about, you know, you mentioned that you started working with that. So tell us a, a little bit about, you know, what you know? What kind of piqued your interest in in, in the the medicine wheel, and you know, kind of what it is really for for those who don't know. Yes, I think that one of the key um, benefits of working with the medicine wheel is that first of all, it's not um, hasn't been ruined by dogma. You know, so you know, I think when people <laughs> approach spirituality, um, a lot of spirituality is sort of just ruined if you're trying to go through a traditional pathway because all the dogma and religion. So a lot of people have gotten turned off from that and they're like, I don't I don't believe that way. I don't like that. I, I don't want to be involved in it. But so then the question is, well how can I access my own spirituality? How can I unfold myself? Um, what's my pathway? So I like this uh, medicine wheel technology that's, um, from the, that the indigenous people have kept awake for us for centuries because, first of all, all of our ancestors practiced the medicine wheel before all this dogmatic religious stuff came along. So, you know, we all are familiar in some deep place within us uh, with the medicine wheel. So it's familiar to our ancestry, our deep, our deep ancestry. So that alone makes it, you know, wonderful. And and then also the fact that it's a mystery, so it's going to open you to your own path. This isn't a prescribed path. There's no, like, um, authority figure over you. You know, you, you have the wisdom inside of you, and the medicine wheel acknowledges that in you. It tells you, it calls you forth. It says, stop giving your power away to other people. You have the wisdom inside of you. Start listening. And... The other thing I like about it is that it kind of um, challenges our Western mindset um, that is very linear, you know. So we think that there's, 
you know, I'm going on a on a journey and I want to get at the destination as fast as possible. And then once I've arrived there, I've arrived. And there's sort of like in a lot of spirituality, there's this idea that there's like this ladder. And if you just keep climbing the ladder, you're going to arrive at heaven and then you're done. You know, and mm-hmm. then it doesn't work out that way. People get upset. <laughs> so this is more honest. The medicine wheel is way more honest. It says, listen, it's a spiral. You're going to go around this thing and around this thing and around this thing, and you might have a challenge in your life that you're learning, and it might take you seven passes around the wheel till you really understand it. It might take you more, but you're going around and around it, and you're learning every single time. You're going up the spiral, and, and at some point, that matrix will dissolve and another one will open, but you're never going to stop going around the wheel. You're always going to go around the wheel. So it's not like there's no end, you know, and that's also honest. You know, because when we start thinking that there's some end destination, we get impatient for it, and then we miss the entire journey. So with the medicine wheel, we can relax and go, oh, this thing is just going to keep going. Okay, well, where am I right now? Well, I'm in the south. Okay, I'm going to become aware of where I'm at. So you can kind of have this, um, this you can drop more easily into maybe an adventure or a sense of perspective that places you in the now rather than trying to get somewhere. And I think that's really a blessing for this, for our Western consciousness, to have this indigenous wisdom. Yeah, it is. You know, that that idea of, you know, there being an ultimate destination when things just kind of end um, is is very misleading. You know, I'm, I, you know, I've often talked to folks who, you know, are seeking enlightenment, and it's like, okay, when – when you get enlightened, then what? <laughs> you know, then, and, and when is that point? <laughs> so, um, yeah, it is. Um, it's good to have that uh, recognition that it's uh, it's just never ending. You know, and, and that uh, you know there is an, an ascension to it. Um, now, you mentioned mystery, and in part in in your book, you talk a bit about entering the mystery. Um, so can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I, I really love this, um, the truth of it. You know, it's a mystery. Life is a mystery. Why she does what she does is a mystery to every single person, including a person that's very righteously thinking that they know everything. <laughs> and then there's the humbling, right? So, I mean, I've been humbled, so I know how that feels. But the the thing I like about this is we can relax into the mystery. It's like, okay, it's a mystery. And that is all about returning to innocence, you know, the beginner's mind. And if you've had a bunch of lifetimes, it is, granted, difficult to keep returning to innocence. And especially when you know the journey doesn't end or it's going to keep going, there is this part that gets frustrated by that. It's like I want to claim my wisdom. I want my wisdom, you know, I want to be acknowledged for my wisdom. I want to be respected for my wisdom. I want my wisdom to be seen. But what happens is, you know, every time we go around the wheel, every time we go around another life, we get brought back to innocence. We get brought back to zero. And why is that? Because if we have a full cup, we're not going to learn anything. So we, we get brought back to that innocent, that that not knowing space, we get brought back into the, to the, you know, the confusion, the doubt, the, the, the not, re- not remembering who we are on purpose so that we can begin anew, so that we can have fresh eyes, so that we can be in beginner's mind, so that we can be in awe and wonder, which is the gift of beginner's mind and the gift of innocence, that curiosity to explore, to have an adventure. You know, and at this time of the Great Awakening, it is important to be in curiosity because the whole planet is up-leveling a, a degree of consciousness, and we can see it in the relative chaos that's going on on the planet is the evidence of that. You know, the more love that flood, floods into a space, the more chaotic things get because the shadows are visible. And we got a lot of shadows visible right now on the planet and a lot of people reacting and in fear. But what's actually happening is that we're seeing what's always been there under the surface. And when we're in beginner's mind, we can see it through fresh eyes because we're not expecting things to look the way it used to look. We're opening up that this might look radically different as we move through this phase on Earth. This could look extremely different than what we've ever experienced before. So opening up to that potential is what's going to lift us out of our, you know, our sort of um, our unconscious participation with life and into a more aware, alert, curious, 
um, way of life, but being that witness, staying awake, that's what's really, I think, the invitation of the mystery. Yeah. yeah, you know, the the idea of, you know, with, with starting with fresh eyes and, and not having, you know, some of the um, preconceived or pre-experienced kinds of um, beliefs and, and structures or, you know, those kinds of things um, really allows for, you know, a, a fresh paradigm, really, you know, to 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 emerge. And, you know, and when, when you're steeped in, you know, what was, um, it, it really does, you know, kind of tie off the opportunity for, for new thought to, to emerge. Yeah, exactly. And we have such a, I mean, every time I meditate, every time I check in, I always hear, um, you don't want to set your intentions and your dreams from your current reality, what you want to do is go, and this is what they're telling me, Carrie. They're like, Carrie, you need to go inside and really set the intention from um, the visions that spirit is placing inside of my mind, right? So those visions in my heart, those visions in my mind, those things I see, they seem impossible to me right now. But those are the higher perspectives that it's hard for us to see because we're sort of under this smog, you know, um, of the Piscean age. But we're going to be moving through that. You know, we are moving through that smog. And when we get above the smog, we're going to see the sun is shining, you know, and it's going to be a whole new age. Right now it's hard to picture that, you know, from under the smog. But it is happening. And so that's why we need to really be good about meditating, listening really deeply, listening to earth. What is she telling your body about, you know, your current place in your life what is she sharing with your heart and then your soul and your higher realms like what are they expressing to you what are they seeing that you can't see that you want to have a good support team for this uh, navigating this part of your journey yeah yeah very much now i want to talk a little bit go into a little bit more detail on the, the directions and, and the kinds of uh, topics that are included with them um one thing i noticed is, is that that when most um you know traditions you know that i've that i've talked to, when i've talked to others about um the medicine wheel, most of them start with the journey being with the east um yet you start with the south, so can you tell us why you chose that approach? You know, this is really how I learned the medicine wheel from Alberto Vialdo. Um, the teachings are from South America. But as I felt into it, because I studied with other teachers who did it in the East, I was like, wait a second, the South is actually accurate because I don't even know what to intend in the East because I don't know myself. In the, in the South is when I, I learn myself. The South, I begin to become aware of the now, the condition of my life. It's like the wake-up call happens. I take a look around, I become awake, and I go, wow, this is my life right now. Oh, my goodness. You know, this is going on, and this relationship, is this really the way I want things to be? And, you know, this is COVID for everybody, right? So, like, is this really the way I want my world to be? The self says, I think there's more options. The self says, open your heart. Open your mind. Connect. Connect with Mama Earth. Connect with your soul. I think you want more than what's going on here. The South is just guiding us, saying, wake up, sweet one, wake up. And, you know, we're entering the West, and, you know, the West is like, you have some cleanup to do. You know, like there's some stuff you've been hanging on to that is well past the expiration date. So open up your refrigerator and take a look inside and clear it out. There's some science experiments going on in here, you know, and everybody's got that. So, you know, it's like, yeah. hey, you've got to clean up your act. And we do have to clean up our act. So we're in that part. We're in the south and the west right now. And it's an uncomfortable, you know, realization when you realize, you know, there's this other matrix I really love. And I, I can't remember whose matrix this is, so I apologize. But maybe you'll know it. But it's that, it's that attempt to describe, you know, transformation process. And it starts off with unconscious incompetence. You know, when we're mm-hmm. when we're unconscious, we don't know we're incompetent. <laughs> so we're happy as a pig and slop. You know, so we're doing all kinds of stuff that's not so great, but we don't know it. 
until the wake-up call. And when we get that wake-up call, now we're conscious of our incompetence. Now it hurts. Now it's like, oh, no, I see this. Oh, my goodness, I've been doing this. And there can be a lot of self-judgment. There can be a lot of pain and shame and guilt and blame and, you know, trying to project that out somewhere. And we've got a lot of projection going on. If you watch social media at all, you'll see everyone's trying to find some place to put the blame, right? But it's like, let's get past blame. You know, the West says, let that go. (laughs) Like, just that is not serving us. We need to release it because it's like that smog, you know, that's in the atmosphere. We can't see the sun because we're so invested in this shame, blame, judgment game. But we need to let it go. And so the South and the West, that's why I start there because it helps. And when you get into, you know, the conscious of your incompetence, which is where we are right now, the opportunity is to become competent. And it takes work. It takes a lot of effort to become conscious in your competence. So we're in that game right now. But where we're going, and that's the East, you know, so in my mind where we're going is the East where we're unconsciously competent. We just are the next person. We just are homo luminous. We're homo sanctus. We've evolved. We just are that. And then we're going to be behaving in a whole new way without having to struggle. But on the way to get there is some struggle. So that's that's where Mm -hmm. we're at, I think. Yeah, yeah. You know, and then ultimately we want to get to that point of uh, unconscious competence where we're what we are doing and how we are being um, doesn't require as much thought and, um, you know, deliberate types of activities that what we will be doing unconsciously will be, you know, that that uh, deliberative you know, positive change for for us and for the world. Yeah, and a lot of that has to do with new systems and new structures, you know, that we are going to be putting in place as consciously competent humans. Um, And those systems and structures will hold us, you know, through generations as we cultivate the wisdom for that. And so we're, we're in a very challenging time globally of this shift, you know, becoming conscious of our incompetence, which is in everybody's face. And some people wanted to go back to sleep and because it was fine over there, you know, like you didn't know the damage you were doing. So it's, you were completely unaware of it, you know. So, but now we're aware. And once you become aware, you can't stop it, right? There's no stopping the awareness. So you're kind of on the journey. You can't really turn around. It gets uncomfortable if you try to fall back asleep and it gets uncomfortable if you try to ignore it. And I think a lot of people are realizing that now. It's like, okay, this is here to stay, this awareness thing. <laughs> you know, like I can't get past it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you know, those who are having difficulty kind of getting past it are, are that's where so much um, of the friction and, uh, and, and resistance and, and kind of going against the flow kind of, you know, surfaces, you know, where, where people are, whose their lives, you know, no matter what they do, you know, things don't seem to be working out right. Um, it's because, you know, they seem to be resisting that awareness. Yeah, you really can't resist it because, you know, Mother Earth, we're a cell of Mother Earth, each one of us, right? It's like we're made of Mother Earth, we're in her auric field, we're in her consciousness, therefore we are a cell of Mother Earth, and she's decided to wake up. So you're going to, you aren't going to be able to stop the whole body of Mother Earth from waking up just by being, you know, egotistical and resisting it. It's not going to work, you know. I mean, her divine will is way more powerful than our, um, our egoic will to resist it. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, now, in, in part of the, the South, um, one of the topics that you have is entitled Realizing Your Conditioning. And, and I'd like to talk a little bit about that because, you know, um, many people, you know, I, I think, you know, part of that unconscious um, part of our life, you know, that, you know, we have that conditioning. That, that we, but a lot of people, I don't think, recognize the fact that, that there is conditioning, you know, that they're, they're following a pattern of conditioning. So can you talk a little bit about the idea of, um, you know, kind of bringing that, you know, to 
to the consciousness um, and and how to maybe avoid replacing one kind of conditioning with another kind of conditioning? Oh, that's such a great question. Because we do that, don't we, you know, as we wake up. You know, a perfect example of that is that before we wake up, we think we're fine just the way we are. Even if people are arguing with us and our life is kind of filled with conditions that don't bring happiness, we're sort of clinging to it. You know, like, this is just the way life is, and I just have to do this, or that's the way that person is, and I'm just going to keep moving forward. You hear a lot of these phrases like, just keep moving forward, don't think about that, just leave it in the past. You know, that kind of thing is where that comes from. And But actually, when you turn to face the past, and this is what indigenous people know, is you have great power when you face the past because you know that's what happened. And you, there are lessons that we can learn from our past and from our ancestral past that are very powerful teachers for the future. But most of us are facing the future, trying to run from the past. So when you find yourself in that spot, and I used to literally run. Like, I ran, like, two marathons and about a dozen or 13, 14 half marathons because <laughs> I was just trying to run, you know, just anything. <laughs> Get me out of here. I can't run my way off this planet, but I was trying. And I think, you know, when you're when you're really avoiding your wake-up call is when you're, you're you know, you're doing that. You're sort of, like, um, focused on um, – ex- there's nothing wrong with exercise, but anything you're obsessing on to avoid feeling, right? Um, alcohol, uh, drugs, um, pain pills, um, all the things to try to avoid the pain, all the things to try to avoid distractions, you know, staying, like, people with heads buried in their video games, things like that. You know, that's a sign you're really avoiding some big stuff in your life, you know. Like, you need to maybe just be still, go to a silent meditation retreat for a week and see what happens. When we become, when we do that, right, we give ourselves that presence and stillness because this is what people are avoiding. The presence and the stillness and the silence is what opens up the realizations that you're operating your life from conditioning. Because when things happen differently, you start to realize, I don't, you know, I'm not really like the way I'm living. So in a way, the pandemic and how we all, everything, all of life shut down, right? Like humanity just mm-hmm. had to come to a, a halt. That was Mother Earth, I believe, saying, hey, go to your room. You know, think about how you're living. Go, like, actually watch how your kids are doing in school. Time out, people. Mm-hmm. Like, she's like, you're on a collision course with a, a bad fate that you don't want. So please take a breath. And, and however people want to say the conspiracy theories about how we got started, it doesn't really matter because Mother Earth is operating every single one of us. So, you know, she's really ultimately in charge. So this time out was for us to get quiet and still. See how your family, face your family. You're always running away to work. Face your family. How does it feel to be with your kids in the house and your spouse? Do you even love these, you know, being that role that you have? Do you even mm-hmm. love your spouse anymore? Have you connected in the last 30 years? You know, she's asking us, and then she's also asking us, you know, what do you need in order to cope with your life? And then the people that were, I was so surprised. I don't know why I was surprised, but I was so shocked when I found out that the the only stores that were open during COVID, the first part of that year, were the grocery stores and the liquor stores. (laughs) It was shocking to me. It was like, people cannot survive without the liquor. I was like, oh, my goodness. And because they just thought, I'm just going to drink my way through this, you know, or whatever they were thinking. I'm imagining that's what they thought. But it was, wow, shocking. What we want to do is become aware, like, oh, my gosh, I'm, I'm taking, like, five trips to the liquor store this week. Why is that? And because there's yeah. less going on, you're not so busy, it's hard to kind of be aware of these things. And that's uncomfortable. That, yeah. that raises up that conscious incompetence I was talking about. Yeah, you know, it, I mean, it did, you know, provide people a an opportunity to really kind of step out of the their daily routine, you know, and then really question, you know, not only you know their their work, uh, you know, but their their family life and even their their purpose or their their fulfillment. You know what it is um, that you know what was going on and how much in sync or out of sync it was, and for most it was out of sync. Um, but also, you know, the, the, it really gave Mother Earth literally a chance to show our impact. I mean, when when you know when all of that happened and you know you saw you could see you know fish in the 
you know, Venice, or or you can see, you know, smog disappear over a city that has been enveloped in for years, you know. I mean, it really gave us a peek as to our activity and its impact on the Earth itself. Yeah, and that, that realization isn't lost on anyone, even the people who are racing their way back to normal, the old normal. They're, a part of them, they're just trying to deny what they know in their heart, and that is just going to make you feel worse and worse and worse because the truth is humans have created a very negative impact on the earth for all other life forms on this planet. All other life forms are struggling because of us. And we need to be conscious of that and start changing how we do things and how we think about things. You know, I had um, one of my friends online was really sad because her cat got attacked by a coyote. But I was thinking, where else is that coyote supposed to hunt? Because all of the forests now have become neighborhoods. So where is the coyote's home? How is the coyote supposed to live? And now are we going to think the coyote is a perpetrator because we took his lands, his his roaming grounds, and took away his prey, and now he's got to attack the only thing that's available to him, which is a household pet. We're going to condemn him now. Like, oh, well, we can't have coyote. No, that's not right. That's not right at all. It's us. Yeah, I, I agree very much. Um, now, w- one other um, item that was in the, the south um, aspect of, uh, of the directions was uh, the idea of um, entering a new reality through ritual. So um, I'm um, I kind of go back and forth, you know, on my um, feeling about ritual. So can you tell us, you know, basically, I get, you know, I understand that, it, you know, there, it, it does serve a purpose, you know, um, and I just, you know, I think, you know, my old Catholic upbringing on, on rituals and I, I, I kind of rebel against, you know, the idea. But uh, so can you talk, just talk about, you know, the importance? Because, I mean, I, I, you know, there there is um, a lot of um, positive um, influence that ritual structure and ritual can bring to you know bringing in a new reality. You know, I, I love your question, and so what I would recommend you do is a ritual around releasing all the Catholic rituals. <laughs> so, like seriously, give that to fire. You know, like here. So I mean. So what I would say with ritual is really powerful is that what we want to do with actual ritual, not like conformist ritual or, you know, dogmatic ritual, what what we're actually with personal ritual, what we're looking to do is to drop into a different state of mind than our waking mind. So our our, um, reptilian brain and our limbic brains run the show, right? It creates a beta brain activity of our lives. Where, you know, we're, we're reacting to things and we're making stories about things and we have emotions about things. So that's like the normal state that we walk around, most people. What we want to do is activate hummingbird brain, which is the frontal cortex. And that is going to give us alpha and theta brain. And if we can activate those brains and even the corpus callosum with the eagle brain, we're going to really activate our inner seeing, our inner knowing, our crown chakra, our third eye chakra, our heart's going to open. And so we want to be in that, that trance state is what we're after. And so ritual trance. And also it helps us to access our intention, back to that intention conversation. So We want to get ourselves out of routine and into ritual because even washing the dishes can be a ritual, can be a sacred practice. You were talking about, you know, now that I'm enlightened, you know, what do I do with my life? Well, wash dishes, you know what I mean? That's that's really the thing, you know. So it's like wash the dishes, enjoy the feel of the water and the suds over the dishes, marvel at the fact that you can do this. I mean – it's like really seeing the sacred in every single thing, the, mu- the most mundane. That is where we really can be. It's when we get our minds out of that active 
thinking state and into the heart, into the experience, into the senses, which is the shamanic journey. So even like last night, I had my birthday celebration with my husband, and we went to go eat this sushi that I love. But this time I, I slowed way down, and I took a bite of sushi, and I closed my eyes, and I tasted the sauces all over my tongue and the way they were lighting up all these different taste receptors in my throat and in my I was feeling like the the medicine, the beautiful beauty and and wisdom of all the combination of these flavors inside my mouth. And I was being with that sensual experience. That is being in ritual rather than just the routine of having to eat dinner. You know? Mm-hmm. So it's like we can we can shift things into that beautiful space. Yeah, yeah, very much. I can understand that. Yeah, I had um, um, my mother-in-law would, would love. I mean, I would watch her washing the dishes. She had his, you know, this uh, kitchen window kind of looked out into the world, and you know, I could see her going through the motion, but I could see her also. Her mind was elsewhere. You know, what I mean, it was it was it was a it appeared to have a very calming. Um, soothing effect for her, you know, and um, so I mean, I, I always thought that it was, you know, and, and I think that we can, um, that there are many activities that we can do that can contribute to that state of, um, you know, uh, that transcendent state, you know, of, of kind of, you know, rising above what it is that we're doing physically with the mind, you know, kind of is released to to explore. Yeah, and, and also we can be in gratitude, you know, and this is something I think Western people could really learn. I know I had to learn it, so I'm, I'm not pointing any fingers except at myself, but man, gratitude, so important, right? I mean, running water in the house, air conditioning, mm-hmm. this is amazing. And, you know, we are, we have such comfort that we're able to focus our minds on other things, on distractions, on entertainment, on all these kind of things. It's really beautiful that we have this, this, um, these amenities. But what we've lost is gratitude. What we've lost is humbleness. What we've lost is that connection to the moment, to the divine, to, to thank you, Mother, for this meal. We've gotten disconnected from where this water comes from and where this meal comes from. And the indigenous people never got disconnected from that. So they're very grateful. They know who to thank. You know, when they drink their beverage, they pour a little bit on the earth first, and they say, thank you, Mother, for this water. Thank you for this mm-hmm. beverage. And they give a little, you know, to her first, and then they have it. So I think that this is this ritual is one way we can reconnect ourselves to the truth of this experience, which is that it's a miracle. Yeah, yeah very much so. Um, we're a little past halfway through with the show already, Carrie, so I want to take just a, a quick break. And then when we come back, um, I want to go through um, in a little bit more detail of, of the, the three remaining uh, directions, okay? Awesome. Okay, great. Everyone stay tuned. We'll be right back after this brief break. Hello, this is Robert Sharp. I want to thank you for joining us, and I hope that you are enjoying today's show. Just a reminder that we have a wealth of information and resources available on our website, BiteRadio.me. There is a calendar of upcoming shows, along with an archive link that will give you access to more than 1,600 shows that we have had during the past 12 years. Also on the site is a link to the products and services we provide, books, nature photography, calendars, and 5x7 photo greeting cards. Our show is a free podcast on Blog Talk Radio, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and TuneIn. And you can subscribe for free on any of those platforms by using the links on our website homepage. We are on social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn, etc. And we also have buttons to those platforms on the top of our homepage. Our website, ByteRadio.me, has much for you to explore and enjoy. I also very much appreciate you supporting our guests, and especially today's guest. And now, back to the show. 
Okay, everyone. Thank you for staying with us again today. My special guest is Carrie Hummingbird, and we're talking about her newest book, Inner Medicine, Becoming One with Mother Earth for the Survival of Humanity. And again, you can find out more about uh, this book and her other books and her podcast and so much more by visiting her website, which is CarrieHummingbird.com, and that's K-E-R-R-I hummingbird.com. Okay, with that, we're back, Carrie. Wonderful. I can't wait to see what comes up next. <laughs> Good. But I have to uh, I have to tell you this little hummingbird <laughs> with the when I was first presented with your information, I thought, oh, hummingbird, how cool. Well, I love hummingbirds, you know, and I, you know, I'm a nature photographer, so I've, I've had a few pretty good hummingbird photos. Um, but um, this year, it was, I mean, the feeder was out and just nothing, nothing, nothing. One of my neighbors, I go by their place, oh, yeah, then, you know, we have them come up all the time. I said, ah. So, anyway, it was one of those things where I thought, oh, this can be one of those years, an off year. Um, but then I, I went to a garden a couple of weeks ago, and, and there was a beautiful hummingbird that just rested on a tree, sat there for, I mean, which is very unusual, and just sat there long enough for me to get <laughs> really some really good photos and even different angles. And, of course, it's a thank you, hummingbird, <laughs> for, you know, I appreciate it. <laughs> I've been waiting for you. But anyway, so, and, and then I love the hummingbird photos you have on your website, too. Oh, yes, I love hummingbirds. That's a great ally. Yeah, they're wonderful. So, okay, so let's, you know, we, we talked a little bit about the fowl. So let's kind of um, go through in a little bit more detail about the other um, directions. So, and you indicated the, the West, you know, and the West was that, that stinky need of cleanup kind of direction. <laughs> um, so, to, you know, one of the things that that uh, I think it was the first uh, segment in the, the West section of yours talked about releasing attachments, and you know, and I know for many people um, that can be a very difficult thing to do, even if the attachment is a, a not beneficial or even toxic, even um, that it can be sometimes difficult to release. So, you know, can you tell us, I mean, is, is that part of part of that the cleanup activity that we need to do? Or we well, absolutely. Do? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the West is a challenging direction, right, because it challenges us to let go of what we're clinging to that we think we need in order to be happy or have a good life or have security. And the West is actually saying, there's more to this life than, than meets the eye, and you're not going to find it unless you let go. And so the West is really help, here to help us to let go of everything we think we know, including our own identity. And that's very challenging for a lot of people, the idea, what do you mean, let go of my identity? I like, I, I know who I am, I, you know. But if you really think you know who you are, then you're not going to find out who you really are. And that is, that's, that's what awakening is. You know, we got to let go of these ideas. And the places we get cozy inside there. And I think we get these opportunities from the West often because I'm getting my next round of opportunity from the West to consider who I think I am again. And, you know, the more you like your life, the more challenging those invitations get because it's like, well, mm -hmm. I don't really want to let go of this comfort, you know. Like, this is comfortable mm -hmm. here. I don't want to move. And but I know that the adventure lies on the other side, the mystery of letting go, letting yourself, you know, in the shamanic journey, we, we get dismembered. You know, we go through the cave and we get dismembered by the, the animal ally or whatever, but we, we walk out the other side with more luminosity. We walk out the other side with more essential self, more true self. That's the journey of the West. And it can really liberate us from a whole lot of stuff that we didn't even realize was stinky. You know, I mean, some stuff you know is stinky. Other stuff you think is good for you. But then after you release it, you realize, that was actually kind of stinky. It was just that my consciousness was low enough that I thought that was great. And, you know, you can start to have these realizations. So the West is really help, helping us make the great departure from everything we think we know, releasing our identifications and, and stepping into something new, you know. And what helped me with that was the fact that 
I had all these psychological diagnoses, and it was not a fun thing, you know, to be called crazy and, you know, you're broken and you're the problem in our family and all this kind of stuff. And so I was like, I didn't want to see her anyway. You know, I was like, well, I'll just kill myself. But I realized I'm a mom and I'm not going to do that to my kids. So I had to figure out some way to stay. And so for me, it was this um, this leaping off the cliff, like I'm going to leave this marriage, I'm going to walk out on my own, I'm going to surrender myself to whatever is here for me, because I didn't even know any of the stuff I'm telling you right now, I knew nothing. I just said, I'm just going to surrender myself and see what happens. And what happens is I was met with love. I was met with grace. I was met with self-worth, compassion. And the more I let go of who I thought I was and the way I thought life had to be, the more I found out that there were other ways of being and that most of my thinking was based in abusive conditioning, you know. So mm-hmm. I I woke up my mind. I woke up my heart. And I realized um, that there was another whole way to live and I could I could become much more loving, much more compassionate, much more gentle, loving, kind with myself and others. And that's what I set out to be. But that came after I said, I'm just going to let go of everything. I let go of my my house, my studio, my marriage. I walked out of psychotherapy. I said, no, I'm not doing this anymore. I let go of the pills. I let go of the diagnoses. That took a little bit longer because that really, that really threw me for mm-hmm. a loop, that one. But, you know, I let go of all these identities. And at the end of the day, you know, the ultimate realization is that, you are a spirit. You know, that's the ultimate yeah. realization. Like, you can't realize that if you're still Sam or Joe or Bob. You know, like, you've got to kind of be on that. Yeah, yeah, very much. You know, and, and also in part of that when um, you talk about shadow dancing, you know, and, and, you know, the idea of, you know, many people avoid Casting light on their shadow, the shadow parts of themselves, those, those dark, um, you know, uh, inside kind of, um, beliefs or, you know, um, conceptions that, that we have of, of ourselves and our activities, um, that, that can be, uh, it can be a challenging one, you know, um, to, to confront, but, the only way is turning the light on them, correct? Absolutely. And, you know, the thing about it is that most of our defense mechanisms are set up to avoid triggers so that we won't find out we have a shadow. <laughs> so when you start realizing that, it's like, oh, okay, well, what, let me flip that. And triggers are now a doorway for me to love more of myself, or a doorway for me to bring more wholeness to myself. So if I'm triggered – that's telling me I have a wound inside that needs my attention, needs my love and support. I reclaim more of myself. And then I can walk in the world without being worried about my shadow being revealed or somebody finding out that I'm not healed, you know. Like, I mean, a lot of people are defending. That's where the, the narcissistic right. tendency comes from, right, is self-protection. But if we can just get comfortable with the fact that we're messy humans um, or souls having a messy human experience, um, and that we're in an evolutionary process that's beyond all of our control, we can have some compassion for the process for ourselves and others, and that's really where we're headed. And the West is so loving, so loving as she strips away that false stuff. You know, she's just such a wonderful mm-hmm. ally to have. Yeah, absolutely. You know, which brings us yeah. into the North because, you know, mm-hmm. the North is a place of the ancestors. And so where did all these patterns come from to begin with? Well, our ancestry, you know, we inherited a lot of this conditioning that was formed over lifetimes and lifetimes, thousands of years of ancestry that um, were experiencing traumas and experiencing difficult situations and all of that coming in to become having strategies to remain safe and manipulation a lot of times because it was power over matrix. You know, nobody really had their authentic power inside. So when you need to manipulate somebody else to get your needs met, you, you develop a lot of strategies that are born in in manipulation and powerlessness. And so we're untangling a lot of that now so that we are more in recognition of the truth, which is that all of us are connected with divine source as we choose it. And our needs are met by divine source, not by any one other person. So we're moving into that realization now. And the ancestors are here to support us. And 
you know, one thing a lot of people do is start blaming the ancestors. And I'm always laughing because, you know, you're probably your ancestor. I mean, so we, we, we're incarnating multiple lifetimes. So don't blame yourself. <laughs> like, to take a breath. You know, that was one level of consciousness. We moved through it. We had earth lessons. It's all okay. Like, if you hadn't have gone through that, you wouldn't be the person you are today. You know, and that's true of this life and any other life. You know, all the lessons that you've learned, all the lessons your ancestors have learned are all part of your your composition as a human. And if you didn't have those experiences, you wouldn't know why why you want to behave a certain way over another way. You wouldn't have that choice. We only learn by embodying and having the experience. So um, the North teaches us that. You know, it, it reminds us of who we are in truth and love deep inside, that multidimensional self that spans, you know, great spirit as well as this tiny little temporary human being. It, it shows us our ancestry, the arc of our ancestry. It shows us our inner child who desired love and didn't get the kind of love we really wanted from our parents. And so now we have the opportunity to give it to ourselves. So the north is a place of soul retrieval. It's a place of healing, of reconciliation, of forgiveness, of, um, you know, tying up the loose ends and deciding, okay, that that's complete. I'm satisfied with that. You know, I'm going to take this lesson forward. So once we let go, the north really helps us reclaim more of ourselves. And this is beautiful. This is a beautiful gift that we have with the north. Yeah. You know, one of my favorite shows is the Finding Your Roots on PBS. And when the um, – I forgot the name of the host, but when he goes through and, you know, brings up the connection of, of the ancestors, you know, you know, four times great-grandfather, you know, was an entrepreneur and, and let alone, you know, in, in your life, you know, you have – that entrepreneurial energy, wondering where that came from, how, you know, it, it, you know, one of the things that really comes through on that show is, first of all, the people are um, kind of, their breath is taken away when they recognize, you know, and, and can see, you know, kind of on, on paper, you know, and through various other, you know, kinds of um, articles and things, their their connection to the past. You know, and also recognizing that what one's, you know, great, great grandfather had to go through in order to, you know, bring forth, you know, the children which led to you, you know, and, and, you know, then, you know, gratitude, you know, really heartfelt gratitude can kind of takes hold, you know, and I think that forever changes, you know, the individuals once they, they, they see that connection and feel that connection, and then from that point forward, you know, pass on a, a new perspective of one's place in the world. Absolutely. I mean, the perspective is that, you know, this uh, awakening of human consciousness has been a giant relay race, you know, passing from one generation to the next to the next to the next. And all of us have contributed our life's experiences, our blood, sweat, and tears, our pain, our joy, to that ascension process, which is thousands of years in the making. And here we are, this next, you know, generations of ones alive today and some future ones that are piercing that veil into a whole new consciousness, you know, getting above the smog, so to speak, and seeing the sun. It's like, oh, my gosh, this is the invitation we have now. But, you know, this is um, – this has been part of a massive effort, you know, standing on the shoulders of giants, literally, um, to accomplish this in this lifetime. So we all need to be very, very grateful for our ancestors, even if there's some judgment there, like, oh, they shouldn't have done this, or they were, you know, they were abusive, or they did this. Yeah, well, you know, uh, it takes a long time to learn right. lessons, you know. <laughs> well, you know, and, and there's also context, you know, the period of the time, you know, what, what was the uh, – the zeitgeist at the time, you know, when on all of these events were taking place, because it's, you know, that um, it kind of sets the stage for the play of life, you know, that 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 scene that you're acting out, you know, that it, you know that is just as important um, a consideration as the um, actions that one might take. Exactly. And, you know, if you have a lot of judgment towards somebody and the behavior they had, you might 
we want to do some Akashic Records work and see if there happens to be a lifetime where you actually were also doing those same things uh, and heal that, really forgive it. Absolutely. Well, we're running out of time. We're down to the last five minutes here, Carrie. So one of the things that I, I rec- when I was going through your website, I noticed that you have the training in, in shamanic healing. Um, I've always been fascinated with shamanism. Um, can you tell us kind of, you know, what in what circumstances does, you know, shamanic healing, you know, best play a part? Well, shamanic healing is really useful for shifting the energy at the highest level, which is the energy body or the soul body. And it can help you to understand um, at an emotional and conscious level what the what the trauma was about that was causing the condition. So, you know, you can enter it at any place. Let's say you're having a difficult relationship, you can get a shamanic healing. Let's say you're having a body challenge, you can get a shamanic healing. Um, if you're having just problems connecting and your brain's busy, you can get a shamanic healing. So at any level of your consciousness, you can enter the healing zone. And it's because really shamanic healing is all about shifting the story you're telling that is causing your life to appear the way it's appearing. Um, so shamanism is about really um, engaging the spider medicine of your life, engaging the story that you're telling of yourself and the world in order to shift that story to be more beneficial and give you a better outcome. And so, you know, the shamans realize we're storytellers and life is created by the stories we tell. And so they help you be a better storyteller. Wonderful. Well, and then um, the last few minutes, you, as I mentioned in the introduction, that you are host of um, your show, Soul Nectar Show, which is www.soulnectar.show. Uh, so can you tell us a bit about about your show and, and, you know, the type of guest and what someone who listens in might expect? What I like to share on Soul Nectar Show is endless examples of people that went through challenges, learned from it, gained the wisdom, and, and found their divine purpose. You know, that's basically that show. And because I want to inspire people that it can happen for everybody. This isn't like just some people can live their purpose or just some people can have a beautiful existence. No, everybody can. And so I share lots of different people's stories, and we have all kinds of spiritual conversations that some of which are provoking. And, hey, if you get triggered, awesome. You know some area to work on. You know, call me up for healing. But, you know, it's uh, it's really good work, and I, I love having those conversations and inspiring people. It's just so delightful to do that. That's great. Yeah, as a matter of fact, um, I was listening. One of my friends has a show on Sunday, and I was listening, and triggering was part of the whole discussion. So I had to kind of call in and, and talk about, you know, various types of, I mean, she talked about her triggers. I said, okay, let me talk about mine, and, you know, and, and the whole idea of, you know, trying to uh, reprogram one's response. You know, that if one does not have a triggered response to something that kind of sets them off, then it, it takes away the power of that trigger. Yeah, and so triggers are helpful because they help you reclaim yourself so that I like to think of it as Velcro. You know, if you're triggered as a piece of Velcro, um, <laughs> you've got one piece, the other person has the other piece, and if they keep poking at you and getting through, that means you still have, you're holding on to the Velcro. So work with the West, release the Velcro, and then they'll just slide up and down all the time in front of you and you won't even care. You're just like, oh, <laughs> they're doing their pattern. Pattern, it has nothing to do with me. Um, so that's why we do shamanic healing, absolutely. Well, Carrie, thank you very much for your time. I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed our conversation. I, I enjoyed um, reading your book, Inner Medicine. Um, it's really um, very insightful. So thank you for your time today. Thank you, Robert, and thank you, everyone who was listening. Great. Everyone, again today, my special guest has been Carrie Hummingbird. We've been talking about her new book, Inner Medicine, Becoming One with Mother, Nate, Mother Earth, for the survival of humanity. And again, you can find out more about Carrie by visiting her website, which is carriehummingbird.com. And Carrie is K-E-R-R-I, hummingbird.com. So everyone, I want to thank you for joining us for this edition of Bringing Inspiration to Earth Show. And until we meet again, thank you for tuning in. You've been listening to the Bringing Inspiration to Earth Show. 
Remember, our show is available as a free podcast from Spotify, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Apple Podcasts, Blog Talk Radio, Amazon Music, and Audible. To follow our show on any of those platforms, visit ByteRadio.me and select the one you use most. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at ByteRadioMe. Until we meet again, remember to be a bright light by bringing inspiration to your world and to the lives of those you touch. Hello, Terry. Do we have you there?